It's time now for the best hour in MMA and combat sports, the Boomtown Pod. Join your hosts, Andrew Kahn and Cole Smith, as they break down the latest cards, the biggest news, and so much more. Now it's time for the Boomtown Pod. That is right. It is time for the Boomtown Pod. It is all things MMA. It is, of course, your host, Andrew Kahn, our co-host, Cole Sandman Smith, back in the building after a little hiatus. He's back. We're uh, happy to have you back, brother. How you been? Good. Really good. Just been uh, super busy. Um, just been out, gone, like, I think I've seen every city in Alberta, Saskatchewan, just like traveling lots, competing lots. We got our guys fighting lots, so it's good. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Cole does run his own boxing academy, Sandman Boxing System, as you see in the background. Uh, also a freak in the ring as well, and I'm not going to get into it because I'm going to let him describe it, but you took on a fucking mammoth. So tell me how that went. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so one of, one of our guys uh, writes that super heavyweight, which is uh, um, above 200. Uh, anything above 200 in, in boxing is, is super heavyweight. And uh, he got sick. And it was for a belt. It was for a title. Um, so I, I said I would step in. Um, but I wouldn't get sanctioned because I was too small. So I was around 190. Um, and the, uh, he was, the opponent was 265. <laughs> so I, so I told them, um, just tell, just tell them I'm two, I'm 215 and I'll be 215 on way, on way, way in. And it was, uh, the night before. So I put on, I, I weighed in at 213. I put on uh, 22 pounds in 24 hours. <laughs> I I I, uh, I hit Fuddruck Ruckers hard. <laughs> I was say, what the hell did you eat? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I went in, uh, just fattened up, and I, I I ended up winning. So I got I got the belt. There it is. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, that's pretty it was, sweet. Uh, it was wild. It was like it just happened super fast. The guy was uh uh 6'7, 265 pounds. I'm like, for those who don't know me, I'm I'm 5'10 on a good day. <laughs> uh so it was there's a lot of body shots. <laughs> no, um, that is that is for sure. I was gonna say, I'm sure you probably just torqued down, went down, and just gone. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, man. That's awesome. That's a sweet way to introduce ourselves, uh, especially today. Uh, nonetheless, of course, we want to thank all of our sponsors. You can see them ticking down below. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network, Blue Collar Media Group, Stellar Gear, Sandman Boxing System, out in Saskatoon, and Connexus Credit Union. This first segment is The Week That Was, and it is, of course, sponsored by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network and Blue Collar Media Group, the people back at the motherships. Thank you so much for the support through all of this year. Oh, it's crazy. This is two years now, Cole. 
celebrated the two-year anniversary of Boomtown Pod not too long ago, which is uh, insane. He was there for episode, I think it was like three or four that you were on. Yeah, it's it's actually really, um, man, congrats, Andrew, you know, because <clears throat> I, I was like, I remember when it was just an idea you were throwing around, you know, um, uh, chatting to me and, and even my wife because uh, uh, she kind of helped you with, with that original Hello. logo. Very um, and, you know, so it was just like an idea and then it happened. And then uh, to see what it's become, man, is, is uh, well, yeah, congrats. It's, it's huge. Awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And, but, and it's awesome to be a part of it now. Yeah, 100%. man. I was going to say, I was literally just going to say, having you aboard, man, full time now is absolutely amazing because the one thing that's always missed on the show has been a co-host. I can talk about MMA for hours and combat sports for hours on end, as we both know and both have drunkenly done before. But never, ever was I able to have a platform doing it sober, which is awesome. And, of course, last year, if anybody knows me, I kicked the curb and uh, focused a lot on this. So that really took a lot of energy and effort. And anyways, what took a lot of energy and effort was <laughs> Rob Font's face against Cheeto Vera. Uh, wow, what an absolute beatdown. UFC Fight Night took place this last weekend. Uh, Rob Font going against Cheeto Vera. Obviously, Cheeto Vera has been on this incredible run as of late. Um, kind of reserved uh, and rejuvenated his career, which has been great. Uh, Rob Font also on a tear of sorts, um, beating the likes of guys like Jose Aldo and such on the way. So that's been pretty incredible. Rob Font obviously out in Boston. Uh, Cheeto Vera training out. I think he's in LA now, which is awesome. Um, but man, the resurgence of Cheeto Vera and this complete fighter that we're seeing in front of our eyes, man, it's insane how far he's come. Yeah, yeah. On, I That fight was amazing. I thought it was like uh, uh, super, super close. Uh, I I don't know what you're what, – we haven't really talked about it, Andrew, but um, who, who did you have winning uh, at, at the end of that? When I, so when I first watched it, I agreed with the decision. Then I rewatched it, and I kind of had a 49-48. I thought it was a lot closer than 49-47 or even the 49-46 that we heard on the announcements. But again, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, what happens is you let it go into the hands of the officials and the judges. Some of these judges are just part of commissions. They really don't know what's going on. So, I mean, I, I had it 49-48. I did have Cheeto winning it. I thought it was a lot closer than I thought the props kind of gave and, and what the pros mm -hmm. were saying. But uh, Rob Font, he, he took a lot of damage. And I think that was the big thing in this fight is that he wore a lot of counterpunches. Right. I mean, he was the faster of the fighters. Cheeto's very experienced. I think he knows how to counter really well. And you can see see that in this full display because of the way his face looked at the end of the fight. I mean, obviously Rob Font looked like the way more damaged fighter. And again, when you're an official and you're seeing this, you kind of go by the aspect of, Hey, this guy's getting beaten up. I mean, there's a lot of damage and that's how they kind of critique things. I think from a standpoint from guys who really don't know how, you know, officiating works, but nonetheless, uh, I did see it 49, 48. I think they got it right. Uh, Cheeto Vera is obviously, like I said, honest, you know, fighting everybody it seems these days i don't know who the hell he faces up next i know that he talked about fighting sean o'malley next uh running that back because everybody says that that win was a fluke which yes and no i guess because of the particulars and what happened in that fight with of course the leg kick the check kick and and sean o'malley uh i think it was essentially his acl had no movement and he was just torqued and his calf was completely screwed so 
Um, I, I mean, I, I'm cool with it. If, if Sean O'Malley gets through his next test, which we'll talk about in a while, uh, if he gets through his next test, I, I don't mind that matchup. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I think that matchup makes sense. You know, uh, I you know at first I thought it was a fluke too, but then when you were kind of explaining to me, and then that you know like the calf kick kind of came in right at that time, and then it became a little bit more popular. Uh, I you know I, I don't think it, it's as much of a fluke as, as I did uh, when I first watched it. I think it was a fair, you know, I, I think he was doing that on purpose. You know, um, you know, and, and you're actually the one who pointed that out to me. Uh, so I went back and I like, kind of watched it and I was like, yeah, like, I feel like he was doing that. All- yeah. So then that, and that's kind of like right at the point when that calf kick was like everyone started using it. Right. Never. So then uh, um, and it was kind of just like not seen yet really um, that effectively. So um, but, using it, it's nuts. Yeah. Watch a fight where a guy's not throwing a calf kick. It's like the most talked about thing when the commentators are talking in fights. They're like, I got through a leg kick. Oh, no, check. Nope, he's going for a calf kick. And it's and I totally understand it. We saw it against Anthony Smith, too, against Jim Crute, um, where Smith landed it perfectly, and, and Crute was just completely unable to get functionality back into his leg. And, it, it, you know, it, it sucks because that was going to be a great fight. But, hey, I mean, that's what you – when you step into this – there's holes to everybody's game and Smith exposed them. Very exposed O'Malley being the shorter fighter against the taller guy, leg base, man. Right. I mean, that's that he structured that out absolutely perfectly. And I love that you said that I, I caught it, but I, I, I just, when I watched it, I just thought he was targeting it a lot. And I kind of was trying to figure out what was going on, but nonetheless, uh, congratulations to Cheeto Vera. I'm cool with him running it back. Rob font will obviously get another top 10 fight very, very quickly. Uh, it's just a matter of time of who they want to put in there. Uh, He's a great fighter, man. Really, really enjoy him. Um, Bellator 277. This card was, uh, as the kids say, fucking weird and bananas. Patricio Pitbull taking on AJ McKee, the undefeated at the time, AJ McKee. Uh, and Pitbull got back what he thought was stolen from him. And he is now the champ in Bellator. Uh, I honestly... Uh, I'm having a hard time with this one, man. I, I honestly thought AJ McKee was a busier fighter. I thought he did more to win the fight. Again, don't let the, the fight go in the judges' hands. And 99.9% of the time, if you're the champion and it goes to a decision, that decision usually means championship victory. And let's face it, this is the 0.101% that has not happened. Uh, and obviously, AJ McKee losing that not only his title, the undefeated streak as well, and Patricio Pitbull retaining. What do you think, or regaining, sorry. What do you think about this, Cole? I mean, yeah, I, I thought McKee won. Uh, but, I mean, like, the, if you if you need to, like, fall asleep, go watch that fight. You know? Yeah, it's, it wasn't uh, great. It wasn't great. The whole card was awesome. But yeah. in that fight was, like, the whole, every other fight on that the main card was was all that it was it was great and in that card they just looked at each other for five rounds and uh <laughs> mckee just did a little bit more <laughs> in yeah. my yeah I, I agree with you that's a, a thousand percent the truth i i thought he did enough to win the fight it was a boring fight um and, and it sucks because there was so much hype and animosity going into this fight. I mean, AJ McKee beating Pitbull first and foremost was huge on a lot of people's spectrum. And then AJ McKee, you know, what can you do? Because there's been talk about, hey, 
he might leave and uproot over to the UFC. There's been tons of talk about his contract and, and all this other stuff. And it's like Bellator has this superstar on their hands. And Pitbull, I'm not taking away from Pitbull. Pitbull was their superstar for a very long time too, back in the title fold, holding that championship now. So it's kind of interesting to see how this McKee situation plays out because I think if AJ would have won, I honestly think no matter what, he would probably have left to the UFC. I know that sounds absolutely bananas and people are going to probably ridicule me for that, but I do think that's what would happen in this situation. I agree. I think he wants, um, I think he knows how, like he recognizes how good he is. Yeah. He, he, he's going to be in the UFC, I think very soon in the next two years. He'll, he'll definitely be there. Um, he wants to challenge himself. He's, he's freaking amazing. Uh, he's awesome to watch. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. I think he learned in that last fight with Pitbull that he, he asserted a lot of energy and quick. And I think in later rounds, you could kind of tell that McKee's body wasn't holding up the way it wanted it to. Um, and, and in this fight, I think that's why he was so reserved and why it was such a, as, a, as we quoted, a boring fight. I think it was just that he really took his time. He was calculated this time around. He wasn't throwing a ton of punches. Uh, he wasn't looking for finishes right off the get-go, kind of what he did in that first fight. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think the best move for him in his career is to move over to the UFC. And I'm not saying that just strictly because I think it's, you know, that much better. I mean, if you watch Bellator 277 like we did, that's on par with being as good as a UFC card, in my opinion. And, mm -hmm. and the fights were equally as entertaining, if not more exciting, because that card started off with a knockout and then another knockout. And it just continued. It, it was it was nuts. But uh, yeah, this this one was a sleeper, and Pipple's going to run that division, I think, for a while. And I, I mean, like the trilogy, you know? Yeah, Chris, uh, we'll see it. We'll see it. I think we'll see the trilogy fight, and even if he wins, if McKee does pull it off, uh, I think he's still gone. I really do, and it's probably within a year or two. I think he does the, the Michael Chandler thing where you can get as certainly as big as you can and then jump to a rival company to face their toughest competition, which we'll jump into later on with Michael Chandler because we all know he's taking a huge fight this weekend. Uh, also on Bellator 277, this one was disappointing because I was so excited for my guy, Corey Anderson. All the media has been shitting on this guy for years. He's a boring fighter, this and that. He was, he was on a winning streak in the UFC. He left, went over to Bellator, absolutely dominated everybody that they put in front of him. And for it to end the way it did was so disheartening because I thought Anderson deserved to take home that title because Vadim Nemkov did not look like Vadim Nemkov. Corey Anderson might have just looked that much better. Cole, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, it was pretty clear who the better fighter was you yeah. know um anderson won every second of the fight he uh easily won that fight he was in control and he was on his way to to being the champ and uh it was i think it was like there was like 15 seconds left or 10 seconds left and then it would have went to decision that sucks so bad well, and, oh. and the tough part for him, like you said, it wasn't even about the money. It was the fact that he had done something that everybody said he couldn't do, and that was become a world champion. And honestly, I have seen Vadim Nemkov knock the heads off of fucking everybody in that division. And I was like, wow, he's getting worked in like mm -hmm. every sense of it. Striking was better for Anderson. The takedowns were easy as hell, it seemed like for Anderson. Easy. The ground, 
the ground control, man, even pinning him against the fence as much as he did, it was just so much easier. And Anderson looked like he could have done that for eight or nine rounds. And Nemkov would have lost nine rounds. Like, it was just that decisive. Um, and, and I got to be part of the uh, the media behind the scenes. And I, and I asked Corey, you know, leading up to this, was there ever a fighter that realistically, you know, he has fought that would be the equivalent to a Vadim Nemkov? Because Nemkov has been untouchable in Bellator. And he said, honestly, man, there's no one like Vadim Nemkov out there. So the fact that Anderson already knew that going into the fight and pre- proceeded to pull off one of the best, I think, beatdowns I've seen in Bellator history, um, I'm just so upset because he's, like you said, 15 seconds away from not only becoming the champion, but winning a million dollars in the Grand Prix tournament yeah. as well. Like they had the check. He said the most disheartening thing is that he went backstage and the check was already made out to Corey Anderson. He's like, that was a gut punch. So, I mean, I think the stoppage was bullshit. I, I honestly do. I think for Nemkov, obviously, he doesn't think it's bullshit. Uh, he's still the champ, and it's so unfortunate because I think, yeah, like I said, Corey Anderson, that is the best performance I've ever seen Corey Anderson have, uh, UFC and or Bellator, and he deserved that strap without a doubt. So, Corey, hold your head up high. You know there's going to be a rematch on this, man. And Scott Coker, the, the organizer of Bellator and owner, said, yeah, we're running this one back. So you know that it's going to be it's going to be happening. And, and Cole, for all prediction purposes, this happens. I'm going to give it to Anderson. You going to run with him again? I mean, it's hard to argue. You know, I, I watched a pretty clear victory there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's it'll be like Nemkov's the man, too. So it'll be interesting to see what what, what adjustments he makes. Because um, now it's like, you know, he, he was literally taken down at will and held on the ground. Uh, so it's like, you know, um, he, he kind of has like a blueprint to work with, at least. For sure. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Now. He yeah. can go back to his training camp because we're probably going to get another eight weeks and he's going to, or at least eight to ten weeks, I think. It'll probably be in the next two, three months we'll see that fight happen. Um and honestly, he's going to look at that with his coaches and be like, holy shit, I got beat up. Like, and I got dominated. So how do I change this? I thought his angling as a fighter was terrible. Uh, and normally, Nemkov, if you watch that last fight against uh, Phil Davis, he just, Phil Davis is such a big body. And it just like he, he held Davis to nothing. And, and Davis yeah. couldn't shoot. And we all know Davis in his wrestling is unbelievable. Um, so Nemkov stood big, but this was just a brutal performance. But nonetheless, you know we're going to get a repeat on this one, and I can't wait for that. Um, getting back into it, man. Let's get into the boxing world. Whoo-wee! 90,000 fucking people were electric at this card at Wembley Stadium. Of course, I'm talking about Tyson Fury, the last fight, or so we think. We'll get into that later on. Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Um, wowzers. Fucking Tyson Fury, man, as advertised, uh, said, no one can beat me. And going into the camp, he wasn't on social media. He didn't brag about anything. He just went to work, boots to asses, essentially, and was like, I am going to prove to the world why I am that much better than Dillian White. And oh, my God, what a beatdown. What a finish. Cole, give me it. It was it was easy it was an easy night for Fury. Uh, he controlled the whole fight. Um, just kept the di- like 
grinded when he needed like it was it was such an such an easy performance you know and it was it was honestly it was weird to see white so like yeah. hesitant you know he he's he's uh he's a tough guy you know and he hits hard he he knocks people out um but he was uh frustrated like clearly you could see it that he was frustrated so uh you know fury went out there he did what he always does and um had an easy night put him put him put him down and he stayed down you know it was uh that that uppercut was so clean so clean it was uh that was awesome it, it was really cool to to see and it, and it's and it's unfortunate that he that he doesn't like he could fight like Usyk. That's what he should do, you know. Oh, um, God, man, that's, like uh, that's the fight I've been praying for. Yeah, Honestly, because like even for like that, you know, like that goat status. Like I, I don't think he's done enough to to earn it. You know, he, a, if he I, if he had like he could have like two three more solid fights on there, and and then he'd be in the in the running, but. Fief ends now. I don't think it's enough, to be honest. Um, I think I think he's the greatest heavyweight. I think he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. But he's not the goat of boxing. I mean, that that title belongs to probably two men. And I think we could say that you know, in the past era, Muhammad Ali, obviously. Uh, we could even go Mike Tyson as, as the greatest light heavyweight of all time. You could also say. Floyd Mayweather might be the best fucking boxer of all goddamn time. Period. So I would give all three of those to Floyd. Floyd Mayweather or Floyd Floyd Mayweather or Floyd Mayweather. That's totally. <laughs> I mean, you just you look at you know Tyson Fury's resume, and it's it it is absolutely incredible. But I do think there's some asterisks there. Again, Anthony Joshua. Again, asterisk. Usyk. Asterisk. Naganu. Right. Like I mean. And that Naganu thing was crazy. So we'll get into that because I think that was the craziest thing. It looked like Tyson Fury had no fucking idea who the hell he was until he's like, oh, shit, that's that big bitch from the US. <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, he's sitting there in the interview and he's, he's telling everybody that, you know, this is the end of, of Tyson Fury. I'm, I'm done. I made all the money I, I need to make, you know, and, and, and this is my white horse. I'm riding out in Wembley with 90 fucking thousand people. I just had an in, a walk-in entrance that took 20 minutes to get to the ring. I mean, it, it's just – I think that was his, like, he wanted to end it at home type thing, and, and I totally understand it. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, it, it's quite interesting because all of a sudden Francis Naganu comes into the fold, uh, new hairstyle for Francis, the completely bald Francis Naganu, uh, walks into the ring after all is said and done during the interview, and Francis goes, no, I am going to take you on – to prove who the baddest motherfucker is in the heavyweight division. And that was his wording. And I'm like, huh, first and foremost, where's Dana? Secondly, dude, you're still, <laughs> under, you're still under contract. And C, this is going to happen. I just know it, man. As much as you and I want to see an actual fight with Usyk and or Anthony Joshua, that's just not going to happen because we know that the money train is going to run deep on this. It's the McGregor and Mayweather effect, and we're going to see it. There's going to be a tour. There's going to be bullshit. Uh, and at the end of the day, Tyson Fury is going to beat the absolute piss out of Francis Naganu. Now, has Tyson Fury ever faced somebody with maybe perhaps the power of a Francis Naganu? No. I don't think that anybody in the world can perceive what power Francis Naganu has. 
but Tyson Fury can angle the shit out of you. His footwork is so elusive. And look what he did to Dillian White. I mean, like you just said, White is a knockout artist and honest to God, the way that he angled him, it's just, of course, White being the southpaw, every time he countered, he would move in. He would move in. His He would get in closer, give him nothing to throw, and then boom, like you said, that uppercut was absolutely fucking crisp and perfect. So, I mean, I don't know. I know that we're going to see Nagano and Fury. It's just a matter of time and when because Francis, in case you guys don't know, Francis is still resting in MCL surgery. Um, and he's, you know, uh, case status right now. Um, he's, he's a champ, but he, he also has had a lot of contract negotiation disputes with Dana White and what he thinks he should be paid. Um, he's kind of the first heavyweight to speak about it in a long time. So, I mean, I'm sure at the end of the day, money aside, this fight will happen when both arrested, like, like Francis said in the, uh, in the ring, he said, it's probably going to be nine to 10 months before I'm back. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, man, that's a long time for Fury to take off. What do you think? Well, but he said uh, ten months for MMA. Yeah, but he would take that boxing match tomorrow. Yeah, which I don't know, man. You still need an <laughs> MCL for boxing, so I mean, you do. I, I mean, I would, I, I'm not gonna miss it if it happens. Like that's that'd be huge. I'd love to see that. I don't. I love it. I love that all. I don't know. Um, and as for like power, like I mean, it like. Wh- Wilder's number two, I think, for for punching power. True. If not, like, and he freaking Undertaker his way out of that one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, like, he's he's fought some some big punchers, uh, and then uh, taking it on the chin. So I think Wilder dropped him in, in their series of matches. He got dropped three times by Wilder, and he True. got up every time. So. Yeah, I mean, Francis just possesses some fucking banana power, man. And and obviously, if you don't believe me, watch Stipe's head bounce off the canvas the way it did. Um, it just, after that, I was like, not even that, even the Overeem uppercut. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. Overeem's spirit left his body. Like, he flew back 10 feet. I'm like, wow. Like, did I just watch that? And I I mean, I remember, uh, shout out to our former co-host, Sully. Uh, he and I were watching together. And I went, what? Like, that's not <laughs> possible for yeah. somebody to come back that quick. But we know that there's going to be a ton of money thrown at it. I, I'm guessing that Francis gets $100 million off that fight. I, I'm right. assuming Tyson Fury and his camp will make 250 300 minimal if they do that kind of circuit. Um, kind of like McGregor Promotions, it'll be Nagano Promotions with the UFC sponsorship behind him. Dana White will be a huge part of it, obviously. Um, and I'm assuming Eddie Hearn will be a huge part of, of uh, the Fury part as well because they are Romigos in that Showtime partnership with the UFC. Like, I just – it prints money. There's not one person in the world that doesn't watch that fight. So um, we'll probably watch it live together when it happens. Uh, another boxing event that happened this past weekend, unbelievable fight. One of probably the best boxing matches male or female that I have ever watched in all of the hype was worth it. Amanda Serrano taking on the legendary Katie Taylor. Oh my God, dude. And this was just a brawl for all the second the bell rang. What did you take away from it? Yeah, it was insane. It was, uh, I think like if, if you have any, go 
if, if anyone has any time, go watch round five. Oh, it, it, it might be the greatest round in boxing history. Uh, it, it's just like, it's insane. They just stood there and threw for the full round. And uh, I thought Taylor was going to get stopped uh, a couple times. But that, yeah, that fight was amazing. The whole fight was really, really good. Um, uh, I I don't know if I agreed with the decision, uh, but you know it was it was a close fight. I, I think it, it like it was a draw at best. But I I, I had Serrano up around. Um, I thought Serrano won in the twelfth. Call me crazy, but I thought she did better in the twelfth. That won the fight for her. Right. I, I, and I watched it again just to make sure, and I was like, all right, it seems like, and like you said, in that fifth round, man, in, in the fourth they were very hesitant. Not that they were like slow or, or counteracting differently. It's just like when they went into their corners, I think both coaches were like, yo, it's 2-2 right now. Like somebody got to figure the fuck out. Go guns blazing. Let's go. And honest to God, I was like, what am I watching? Like I have never seen, like I said, male and or female, I have never seen heart like that in a, in a round where A, cardio out the fucking window, hands getting chucked, faces getting bruised and bloodied, man. And then if you thought that was crazy, watch round 12 because it was equally as fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> both girls at the end for the last 20 seconds literally just stood there, head down, fucking chewing on their mouth guard and throwing bombs. And honestly, I have more respect for these two women than I have ever thought possible. Uh, and when they announced this matchup, I thought Katie Taylor would walk Amanda Serrano. And I've been watching a ton of Amanda's fights because she's been part of the Triller organization, right? And so she's part of the Paul, the Paul family, if you will. And 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 Katie Taylor is just the ultimate. You know, she's she, she's the champ on the champ on the champ on the champ, man. She's beaten everyone, and uh, honestly, her domination continues. But I do think, I do think there has been so many people on social media that agree with me too. Amanda Serrano won the twelfth round, and I honestly think that was a difference maker. And Katie Taylor being the champ, like I said earlier in the show, to be the champ, you have to beat the champ. And I think if she would have got the knockdown in 12, I think we'd be talking differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could kind of see, like, after the first half, I had Serrano up. Uh, but then you kind of saw Katie coming back. You know, she started like uh, moving better. And, and Serrano kind of slowed down a little bit as well. Um and then again, like you said, that twelfth round, uh, I thought was the deciding factor. But you could kind of tell, like, uh, how much stronger Serrano was, as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. She was way stronger. Um, her punches, like <laughs> Taylor, did not like them. <laughs> she was no. like, she was not there for a couple rounds. Like it was. That's so. I, honestly, I feel like they're gonna fight again. And they're going to fight again. And um, we're going to find out who the better boxer is by the end of, of how, however many fights they have. That's crazy because both these girls are entering the prime of their careers. I mean, Katie Taylor's only 29 years old. And right. Amanda Serrano is only 31. So it's not like they're getting any – like they're, they're in the prime of their careers, essentially, especially in boxing. This is when you figure out who the hell you are as a boxer, right? So, I mean, man – I am so excited for them to run it back. I know it's going to happen. It's the money fight, man, and I will be tuned in. And I guarantee where we left off in round 12 is where we start round one. I guarantee mm -hmm. it. It's going to be that crazy. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, the week that was. And now we're going to get into our segment called the news. Now there's a couple of topics that we'll get into because I'm not. Uh, there's a lot to to talk about today, um, especially with all the announcements that have been left right and center on us. Uh, Jake Paul, this is the only reason why I'm putting this out there. Eddie Hearn, fucking one of the best promotional guys in the world, uh, sat down with Ariel Hawani, and as they were going back and forth, Jake Paul got extremely offended when Eddie Hearn told him that he was average. He was an average boxer. Jake Paul said, well, I just beat a five, and, and so quick to diagnose the five-time world champion, he goes, of the UFC. And it was just like, he was so fast on being like, nope, you're not using that card here because it's irrelevant. Um, and, and it looked like Jake Paul got took down to earth. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Eddie Hearn told it how it is. And uh, I'm, I'm on side Hearn, man. I love it. Yeah. And you can, and you could see in their conversation, like he wasn't saying it to be mean. He wasn't he saying wasn't it to like, like Yo, and like Jake Paul took it so bad. Like he, he was so offended by it. And Eddie Hearn, he was like, he's like, uh, I have like 30 boxers on my roster that are never going to win a title because they're just average. They're just, they're just not at that, but you're just not there. You're not Canelo status. You're not, up there and like he was just so offended by it he was um, so taken back but it's like, like what it, it's like what is jake paul thinking like we we have eyes <laughs> you know like we've watched you box it's like uh come on you know yeah, uh, yeah, and like yeah. maybe one day like you'll figure something out and you'll become this phenom but like it ain't today you know you're like 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 he's he said he fights uh uh uh, Fury, and he has it 50-50. You know, it's like anyone could win that fight. Um, so, like... Well, after to be honest with you, after watching Tommy Fury this past weekend, I thought he would steamroll Paul. I just thought Fury came in so, like, motivated, and his footwork was so fucking good, man. Right. And I was like... Yeah, I, I, I would... Yeah, I don't see Paul winning that fight either I, I wouldn't even give it 50 50 i think he said that to be nice yeah and if you want to see a pretty fucking hilarious clip listen to tommy fury's post-fight interview that he did where he's just basically calling jake paul a bitch for about two and a half minutes it's just hilarious um obviously that fight was supposed to happen in december of this year or past year uh and then tommy got really sick so i mean uh, and after listening to tyson explaining what tommy had it was like some kind of weird stomach virus that like tommy lost like 40 pounds and like he couldn't train, he was like throwing up, and just it was like a nasty, nasty infection. And then all of a sudden, like you could see it too, because Tommy looked way faster than his previous fight, and he looked a little bit more agile. Maybe that has to do with the weight loss, or maybe it's just that he was training with his brother the whole fucking time. And uh, both of them just you knew knew how big the the stadium was, you know, ninety thousand people. Obviously, Tommy was the third fight of the night. Um, so it wasn't like it was packed, packed, but still fighting in front of 60,000 people is pretty goddamn impressive. And he looked great. So give Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. I think that's, that's the way to go. And Eddie Hearn even said it. That's the matchup you need, man. That's the guy that you need to face because again, he's like being average is okay, man. It's completely okay. And he, and, and Jake Paul was so butthurt. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, I laughed the entire interview and Ariel Hawani constant professional did his best to not laugh at anything Eddie Hearn was saying because I would have I would have lost my fucking lid uh anyways other news Dustin Poirier he's been on the rampage on Twitter 
He wants a fucking Diaz, bro, and he ain't sleeping until he gets it. Uh, it seems, though, that one particular Diaz brother is not going to be part of that conversation, as we will get into uh, with a little bit more news. So it looks like Nick might be the guy that faces Diamond Dustin Poirier. Now, that fight, if it does happen, obviously 170. And honestly, Dustin Poirier, as much as it breaks my heart, probably rinses the floor of Nick Diaz. Man, I don't know. You know, um, I listened to Jake Shields on uh, the Rogan podcast, and he was talking about uh, Nick's last performance there. And um, he didn't train for that fight. He didn't train one day for that fight. He I wasn't in the gym. He was not training. He did not have a camp. He was uh, in, like, a real dark place. He was... Uh, uh, you, could tell. you could tell. Right. So he took that fight without training a day. He wasn't in the gym. Um and did not bad, you know, like for right. not training right. a day. Uh, so what Jake was saying is like, if he wants to fight again, that he just hopes he does it properly, has a full training camp. Uh, and you see the Nick Diaz that was. And if that happens. Yeah. Nick, he can beat anyone. Right. Um, yes. So I, I don't think going off that last fight is. Um, is is the proper way. So, I I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about that fight. Uh, although obviously Poirier is the man. He's uh, all he does is fight the top one or top two guy every time he fights. Um, Wins and, gets and I, shot, loses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love and I love him. So no no hate no hate to him either. Uh, I he's he's the man. Um. He's uh, obviously one of the greatest fighters of, uh, in history, you know, and uh, that's a tough fight for, for Nick, um, for sure, yeah. He's got to come in with a full camp. I couldn't agree with you more. When I heard that, when Jake was talking about that, obviously Jake Shields, uh, one of my favorite fighters growing up, as we all know, uh, and I just, I, I was listening to it. I was like, man, the, the, the craziest part is, like, he was hitting some connections pretty well, and he yeah. Well, he boxed really well for a guy who hadn't been in the gym, you know? Like, I watched it again. Yeah, he was sloppy. He was out of shape. You could tell that he didn't take it very serious. You could tell at the weigh-ins he wasn't taking it very serious. Um, and that's the thing, too, with the Diaz brothers. With Nate, you know what you're getting. Nate's a fucking constant workhorse. Um, loves his brother. Loves his family. Loves the Diaz name. And continues to push forward, uh, even though, you know, he picks his own fights now. And, and he's not selling anything less for money fights. And that's what he said. I'll fucking fight anybody that Dana thinks is a money guy. And, and we'll get into that because he's going to right away here. Um, and speaking of guys, Dustin Poirier wants to beat the absolute shit out of uh, the guy who called him out after his last fight, Kobe Covington. Uh, his tooth has gone viral. Uh, Jorge Masvidal obviously has gone in and beat the absolute breaks off of him at a nightclub in Miami. Um, and I think it was, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was a setup a thousand percent from the Nelk boys. If anybody knows who they are. I think it was a fucking inside job because uh, Kobe was out with a guy named Bob Menery. Now, if anybody doesn't know who Bob Menery is, Bob Menery is famous for being a, like, he does fictitious, uh, you know, MLB calls. So he's like, holy fuck, that guy just got killed. Like, that's, he's a fun commentary guy. And I'm sure people have heard him before. He is absolutely hilarious. He's kind of a stand-up comedian type guy. Um used to be a play-by-play -play guy for radio everywhere. And so anyways, 
he's created his podcast and he's been having Kobe on and Kobe went on with the Nelk boys as well, talking about the fight with Mazdal and all this other stuff. But it just seems so weird that when Kobe left supper with, with um, Bob Menery, and then he went over to the nightclub with the Nelk boys because they were doing the podcast afterwards. It just seems so weird that Jorge just, just knew because Jorge had done a podcast with the Nelk boys as well. Now, I'm not saying anything's dramatic or there was a setup, but I think there fucking was. I really think there was a guy who sent a text to Jorge in that group and was like, hey, just so you know, Kobe's here. He's in Miami. Here's our location. And so anyways, the mugshot came out. Jorge Mazadal uh, did some damage to Kobe's tooth. Uh, Kobe has pressed charges. It is, no matter what, outside of the octagon, that is still assault. I mean, it, it is still a misdemeanor. He still got arrested for it. He's still going to go to court for it. Uh, Kobe's press charges against Jorge. This feud couldn't get any uglier as it was, uh, especially with Kobe's fucking absolute domination of Jorge Masvidal. And so now tack another loss on to Jorge Masvidal. What do you think this does for Jorge? Nothing good. Uh, honestly, um, what a what a I don't I don't like that. You know, like yeah. what do you? You were locked in a cage with another man. You could have done whatever you wanted. And you, uh, and you lost, so you you sucker punch him. You know? Uh, come on. You know, like, what a bitch move. You know, it like, uh, I, I don't like any of that at all. And, 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 I, and I loved Masvidal. And now uh, I could care less, you know? Like, that's, uh, I'm not into that at all. To quote Jorge Masvidal, that's weak shit. Yeah, and it was. And, and, and honestly, it was. I just don't agree with it. I, I and I totally hear you out on that, man. I, I honestly, it, you had your chance and you lost fifty forty six. Like you were fucking brutal, and you got owned. And own up to that loss and and take the L, admit defeat, and move on, man. Like every other fighter in the world has. But for some weird reason, Ori Mazdal has this weird thing where he thinks he's untouchable. And it's it's mm-hmm. kind of kind of wild, dude. You haven't won a fight since 2019. Like, yeah. stop. At this point, stop. Until you win a fight, then you can get back on the badass train. He lost it. The last time he won was the BMF title fight in 2019, which was a disaster. I mean, yeah. by all counts of the stretch, it was a farce. It was a joke. Nick Diaz got cut. They stopped it. Or Nate, sorry, got cut. They stopped it. It was a piss-poor stoppage, especially because Nate had finally found his stride again, and you're like, oh, boy, here we go. And if you're going to have the title called the baddest motherfucker, if he says he can still go, that's a bad motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought the whole purpose of this was. Not a world championship. Who's the baddest motherfucker? And honestly, Jorge didn't really impress me in that fight either, but it is what it is. That's his last win, folks. So go check the record books. I ain't wrong. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so anyways, there's some uh there's some tasty rumors that are uh, actually going around and i've actually had to make a little cheat sheet because there's so many fucking announcements that have been made in the last little while uh obviously ufc has their international fight week which is the biggest fight week it all goes down in vegas there's three cards there's a monday card a wednesday card and of course the saturday card which is just bananas and some of the announcements that we have been getting for fights are insane so let's start with the one that got announced today max holloway taking on alex volkanovsky three 
This is the matchup. This is the fight that we want for the 145 that everybody has been asking for. Cole, number three, who wins this? Oh man, I don't, I don't know. That is so. It's a, that's the fight, you know. Like that's they're the two best. That's it. One and two, and I don't even know which one's which. You know, um, that that's sure. how close it is. That's how good they are. Uh, uh, this it's awesome. I watch them fight every time they fight. Uh, they're yeah. the they're the two best. Clearly, they they dominate everybody. Um, yeah, like it's not even, when they fight people, it's not even close. They they manhandle people. They whoop people's asses. It's not, and even then <laughs> you know. So yeah, they, they're clearly the top two. The Korean zombie had a hell of a run, and he literally got beat so fucking bad that he's like, "I'll never be champion." He literally said that in the octagon, "I will never be champion." That's how good those two guys are because he knows. That even if he would have won that, he would have had to fight Holloway. And Holloway would have beat the absolute piss out of Korean Zombie. So, I mean, this is a matchup. I agree with you fully, man. I cannot wait for this fight. I think it's going to be, it just says fight of the year all over again. The last time these two guys fought, go watch it. If you have never watched it and you want to get in the UFC or get into MMA, that fight will turn you on instantly. I mean, I think the overall combined punches was like a 1,000. It was fucking nuts, man. And both guys just took it. At one point, Holloway was pointing at him and like, hey, hit me, bitch. And like, that's Volkanovski. And you're like, what? This guy used to weigh 290 pounds and was a rugby player. Like, yeah. and he's just asking for it. And you're like, oh, my God, these guys are just on another world. So I'm looking forward to that one. So that's one of the many announcements that we got for Fight Week. Um, another one that's going to be awesome, our boy, the Shui. Tai Tuivasa is going to be taking on Cyril Gone. That one got announced. And honest to God... I'm going to roll with Tui Tuivasa in this one because I just think with all the shit that's going on behind him, honestly, Ciro got dominated, and I mean absolutely dominated on the ground by Alistair Overeem. I feel like with the big body that uh, Ty has, it's going to be a takedown, a trip takedown. He's going to lay on him, beat the shit out of him, and then come box swinging because Ciro's, I don't know, Ciro sucks against strikers or wrestlers. I just... And it's crazy because he's a kickboxer and he's a really good wrestler too. So, I mean, I'm rolling with the Shoei. The momentum's there. If he gets beat, I'm going to tell you now, I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't seen what the betting odds are yet, but I think it'll be pretty close. Yeah, I I, I like him too. I would like to see him win and get a title shot. Uh, but, man, Cyril Gunn's the real deal. He is. He's good. He's uh, That's a tough fight. And world class kickboxer. Yeah. So I'm with you. I, I uh I like it. I like him. I like I like his energy. I like how he comes, uh what he brings, you know, like he, he's just he loves to fight and that's it. You know, I'm here. I'll fight you. Let's go. Let's drink some freaking let's drink out of shoes. <laughs> like he, Yeah, he's funny. He's awesome. And uh I think he yeah, give him a title shot if he, if he wins this for sure. It's just crazy his story. He was literally what three fights, or he was zero and three, and he was essentially almost ready to get cut from the UFC. And uh, this run that he's been on, it's just been absolutely incredible. I mean, beating Derek Lewis, I was like, I, no one had that on their scorecards happening. I mean, 
when we talked about it, I said Derek Lewis, those that that kickboxing and those hands, and now he gets to face another kickboxer with some pretty decent hands. But Cyril, the the, the problem that I have with Cyril is that he doesn't let him go enough. He he's got power in those hands. He's elusive. He's quick. He's very fast for a heavyweight. But he just it lacks like he lacks that killer instinct. And even against Rosenstruck, when he had that fight against Simmery, essentially pinned him up against the cage for three rounds. It just looked like he didn't have the power. And Rosenstruck wasn't really, you know, upset by anything that he was throwing him. So I mean for Cyril, I hope this camp that he he puts on a little bit of po- a punching power, if you will, and, and lets those legs fly, man, because those are tree trunks that he's got on him. Um, if he does and lands on Ty, Ty's in a world of trouble. Uh, that's that's a that's a fucking tree trunk coming at you at Mach 10. Uh, so that's one interesting matchup that again, this all these fight announcements got named. There's I'm gonna I'm gonna mention some fighters that uh, were on these secret cards that got released. Um, Alex Gustafson's a name that's been on there. Uh, we've seen likes of uh, Patty Bimblet is going to be on one of these cards as well. So quick turnaround for him. Uh, another one that we saw, and we're going to get into it, Sean O'Malley is going to get his first top 10 opponent. Pedro Munoz is stepping mm-hmm. up to the plate. And I think Sean O'Malley is going to have a hard night against Pedro Munoz. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's a test. You know, we'll see. Um, that's awesome. I, I think that's a perfect matchup. I, I like that. Uh, but, and, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 this is going to be a tough fight for him, so it'll be good. And, and if it isn't, you know, then the hype is real, right? If, if it isn't a, a tough fight. Um, yeah. so that's, uh, that's cool. And even with, uh, uh, Patty, uh, I just, I just watched him too on, he was on the food truck diaries. Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, yeah. And man, his mindset's solid too you know he's like um i i want to fight two more times this year but i'm i'm not in a rush either you know he's like i make more money outside the ufc than fighting uh so i'll wait till till i get a good contract you know if if i have to wait it out whatever he's freaking 195 or 197 right now yeah, he fights at one fucking what fifty five. Yeah, oh, it's fucking bananas. And and it's funny because like I mean he's had this this incredible like run. It's almost McGregor like it is. It it really for the last like a cage warrior who was also Conor McGregor was a cage warrior. They both come from the same organization. They kind of have the same story. Broke as shit, just trying to make it, fighting every day, sacrificing whatever they can. I mean their stories are eerily similar. Um, but I think Patty's just. Way more motivated. Connor got in, got the money, got the success quick, right? Got his titles and shit like that. But for me, I think if you pay Patty, I really see him sticking around for the foreseeable future. And I really think he's going to be a cornerstone for the UFC, especially marketing-wise. The kid is completely the most marketable piece that I think they have coming up right now. He just, dude gets tagged and almost gets fucking knocked out in both of his fights and then comes back to life, takes a deep breath, and beats the shit out of his opponents. I'm just like, how in the fuck, man? Because... He's been rocked twice where I was like, he is absolutely toast. And I think for him, he's got to work on a couple of things. He's he's still yeah. a little ways away from being a top 10 guy. Um, but fuck, they have something special on their hands with him. That is for sure. Um, well, before I get into the 276 card that was announced, there was another huge rumor that was circulating around the heavyweight division. Now, if this is true and this matchup happens... 
this will be the most watched UFC fight in well UFC heavyweight fight in history. John Jones versus Stipe Miocic is a rumored fight that will be happening during that week as well. I'm assuming it'll likely be the Wednesday night headliner. Um, and I am fucking here for it. Um, give me that matchup. Stipe has wanted it for the last three years. John Jones has wanted Stipe since he decided he was moving up to heavyweight. Uh, John Jones seems like all of his shit is kind of behind him now. Um, and I say that loosely because he hasn't had a felony charge in two years. So yeah. good for him. It seems like he's running AT&T out there, like his camp, American Top Team. Uh, he's working with Holly Holmes still. He's working with all those people out there in in, in uh, the Jackson camp too. So this is really, really interesting. If this matchup happens, I am probably going to lean with John Jones. And I just think he causes Stipe a problem. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's hard to it's hard to vote against him. You know, uh, he gets the job done. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to visualize someone losing who's never been dominated. You know, yeah. never been. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of close fights, but no one's like, you know, put it on him. You've never seen him like in a real tough situation. Uh, so it's hard, you know, it's hard to, to think about that and, and just kind of how smart he is. And, um, yeah, I, I think John Jones will take that for sure. Yeah. As soon as I saw that in the, the little, and all the fights that were on that thing have been announced so far. So I'm just waiting for, they're going to make, they'll probably make that announcement during the card. I'm assuming, uh, just because of who the caliber of fighters are. I mean, let's face it. Stipe is. At this point, the greatest UFC heavyweight champ of all time. Right. Uh, talk to me when anybody defends the title five times and against the fucking murderer's row of people he had to face. Cormier twice, Francis, Overy. Like, you t there's no one. There's right. no one. So he's still my goat of the heavyweight division, probably always. Uh, John Jones is still really young. He's only 33 years old. So the thing is, he still has an opportunity to be that good for the next seven years. And it seems like he's training correctly. Um, his, his camp has said, everybody has been saying that he just looks like he's ready for the heavyweight division. I mean, he has had two years to prepare for this. So he has probably trimmed gained and is probably an absolute wagon now at, at 245 fucking pounds. Like I would not want to face him. So, yeah, yeah. And honestly, it's, it's smart of him to, to take the time and do it properly. Learn you know, walk, walk around at that weight for two years, do runs for, two, you know, like get used to that extra weight instead of just moving up and going. And then all of a sudden you're gassed out in your fight because you're not used to carrying that weight. Um, after two years, you're, you're used to it, you know, right. uh, training with that weight, doing, you know, so to do it that way is interesting. So it's uh, we'll see him. I, I think he, he's smart. Pretty awesome clip of him going viral, of him running on the treadmill also. People didn't think that he was that big. And I was like, holy shit, he's a fucking tank. And he was still running at almost 75 kilometers an hour, which is fucking bananas. Uh, and then, so what we got dropped on us today is what I want to talk about just ever so quickly. UFC 276 card got announced today. And we talked about O'Malley and Munoz. So they're going to kick off the card. Then we have an awesome matchup in the bantamweight division with Warren Murphy taking on Misha Tate. 
Now, Lauren Murphy, obviously, we all know, made her a little, you know, went all the way to the title. She got beat. Uh, Misha Tate has come back, has looked good, lost her most recent fight. So these are two girls that are coming off of L's. Uh, I think it's going to be a great fucking matchup. I honestly am going to roll with Lauren Murphy in this fight. People might call me crazy in this. I just think she's a better striker. That's the only reason why I'm rolling with her in this fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, it's kind of just like a, a 50-50, you know? It just kind of – yeah, the style matchup and, you know, Misha could just play the wrestling game maybe and then grind it out, you know. And, and like you said, uh, um, the striking, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a competitive matchup and it'll be it'll be a good that's a good that's a good fight for both of them. It's a it's a perfect matchup. Yeah, I really like the fight, and obviously, whichever girl gets the win, that's probably going to be pretty large for you know a future title consideration, especially, um, especially when they're trying to make their way up the ranks. Uh, and then we got Sean Strickland, everybody's favorite fucking weirdo, going to be taking on Alex Piera, who uh, knows a thing or two about the guy who's going to be headlining that mm -hmm. fight because the only L that he's ever taken was to Alex Piera, which is crazy. Um, of course, Israel Adesanya will be taking on Jared Cannonier, uh, the matchup that I have been clamoring for for a very long time. Uh, Jared Cannonier is a fucking dog, man. The kid works. He is such a relentless force. Even if he's getting tagged, man, and just watching him and how his career has changed from being a heavyweight, dropping down, and it just looks so natural for him to be there. Uh, man, I'm excited about this matchup, but the co-main event, We'll get into the heavyweight. We'll get we'll get into the, the Izzy matchup, but we're going to go into the co-main because I said earlier the Diaz brothers only take money fights and a very quick turnaround for Kamzat Chimov taking on Nate Diaz. That is your co-main event for UFC 276. I honestly have no fucking idea what's going on with that matchup, but I am here for it. I am here for the new school Kamzat fans that some of you who are just starting to watch MMA are really behind his hype wagon and how could you not be? And then you got us old heads who have been watching the Diaz bros for a long goddamn time. And we're like, all right, old school, new school, let's <laughs> bang. Who do you think pulls this off, man? Because I got fucking no idea how this one turns out. Yeah, that's it's a... <laughs> That's a tough fight. Um, Brian, I think I know exactly what's going on. You know, Nate Diaz is, sh is shitting on the UFC, shitting on Dana White. He wants out. Dana's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you before you leave, give you this animal. But on the other hand of that, it's like uh, Nate Diaz is like the grind master. So, like, if, if he can weather the storm of that first, second round, Kamzat was tired. He was so tired in that third round. So, Nate Diaz isn't getting tired. So, you know, if he can come back three, four, five, freaking win, peace out, and and put a, put a halt on the hype train as he's going out, how sick would that be? I would love every second of it because uh, I – we one. both we love Nate and uh, to go out on top like that. Oh man, I would love that. That's.
preaching to the choir folks because holy shit if that happens i mean i said it on the last podcast with you i said after that burns fight we can derail the hype train just ever so slightly because comms out looked terrible um i thought gilbert burns and i rewatched the fight again Gilbert Burns won that fight. You cannot tell me fucking differently. I still think he won that fight. I thought he was a busier fighter. His counters were better. Uh, Kamzat did get the takedown, which I think solidified the win for him more than anything back in the first round, which was crazy. Um, but, man, and I agree with you fully. It's I, And maybe some of my WWE people will remember this, and this is the perfect way to describe this. But back, I think it was in 2014, CM Punk was on top of the fucking world. And he hated Vince McMahon, right? Hated Vince. And so the matchup at SummerSlam was John Cena, who is the WWE boy, taking on CM Punk for the title. Now, whoever won the title would be the the, the, the overall champion of the world because both of them had the titles at the time. Well, everybody knew CM Punk was fucking leaving. CM Punk won the match. He has the title and, and he blows Vince a kiss. Now, that is what I think is going to happen in this. Nate Diaz is going to beat Kamzat, blow Dana a kiss, say fucking see you later. Try to fuck me again, buddy. I'm out. Definitely. That would be the greatest. That would be the greatest. Um, and you just know that's going to happen. <laughs> you, you just got a hunch that that's going to happen. I mean, realistically, I mean, even if Nate does lose this fight and he gets thrown to the wolves like we've explained, obviously comes up being that wolf. Uh, I mean, it's just it's his resume, man. It really just speaks for itself. It's 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 a shame that he didn't figure out how to punch Leon Edwards a buck, maybe a minute 20 earlier in that fight, because I think he would have beat Leon Edwards, which would have been fucking disastrous for Leon Edwards. And again, yeah. he's got the opportunity to absolutely make things disastrous for Kamzad. So, um, man, I, I, this could be his last fight in the UFC. I'm here for it. I'm going to be repping the 209 shirt because that's my boy through and through. The Diaz brothers have been, you know, it sucks because you know when your fi- your favorite fans or, or favorite fighters are retiring, you're just like, oh, I don't want this to happen. And you just know it's happening and it's happening in front of you. So, Nonetheless, if this is his last fight, man, I'm fucking pumped. Uh, when they announced that card, I was like, yes, let's go. And obviously, the main matchup, Israel Adesanya taking on Jared Cannonier. I am a 1,000% riding with Jared Cannonier. I think Izzy is obviously a fucking problem, man. He's so good. It's just he's so calculated. He reminds me so much of Anderson Silva in his prime. It's just bananas how good he is. But honestly, if anybody can meet him, Jared Cannonier's big body, his power, and the way that he can control somebody on the ground, I like Cannonier in this fight. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go the other way. I think, I think one of the flaws of Cannonier is is uh, how he explodes in, you know, and yeah. I think that's yeah. uh, a perfect style for Izzy to counter. And catch him, you know, kind of like the the Aldo McGregor, you know. Um, so if if he can maybe not do that as much and be a little bit more calculated, it might be different. But I I know he likes to just ex- explode and kind of charge forward sometimes, and and he might get caught if he does that. 
Yeah, I could see. I know that there have been reports and rumors that Cannoneer has been training with Jan Blahovic. Um, and, and to and the only reason why is because his wrestling, right? And when we watched Izzy take on Jan, Jan sat on him and was a bigger body. And that's right. exactly what Jared is. Jared is a big body for 185. He is a monster of a human being at 185. Again, this is the same guy who had a 3-0 and record in the UFC's heavyweight division before moving down because he was just like, I'm a fat fuck. It's literally what he said to himself. He's like, I just can't do this anymore. And now you look at him and he walks in and you're like, that guy fought at 240? How the fuck is that possible? Because he's just shredded, but he's a big body. So I imagine if he trained with Jan, I'm sure Jan gave him a couple pointers when Izzy's on the ground, what frustrates him because we saw Izzy had no answer, like not a fucking answer um, for what Blahovich gave him. So I'm, I'm excited to see this fight. This is going to be a money fight. That's the Saturday, July 2nd, which is perfect because I, uh, we have Canada day the next or the day before. So it's an international holiday. I'm going to enjoy the long weekend. I'm going to watch fights. It's going to be perfect. Cannot mm-hmm. wait. But yeah, those are some of the rumors. Let's get into part two. We're going to fly through the section here for you guys. I don't want to keep you too much longer. This is part two into the future. We're going to break down UFC 274 for you guys. But of course, this is sponsored by my friend over there. His Boxing Academy and Boxing System. Sandman Boxing System. Saskatoon's premier boxing academy. Check them out. Make sure to go to the courses. They've got some fucking killers up in that place, man. Uh, congrats, by the way. You've got so many good fucking fighters on your guys' roster now. So um, pretty you. awesome to see. Uh, so let's get into it. This is I'm just basically going to go into a pick-a-mode right now. Uh, the world is picking our boy Mike Chandler to win this fight versus Tony Ferguson. This is going to be a fucking fun fight. I don't give a shit who wins this fight, to be honest. I'm just here for a bloodbath, and it's probably what we're going to get. Uh, both guys uh, are going on a little bit of a losing streak here. I think Michael Chandler, for all intents and purposes, this is his last fight in the UFC on his contract. So I think he really needs to win this fight if he wants to stay on. Tony Ferguson probably isn't going to go anywhere, even if he loses this fight. I still think he's got another two fights left on his contract after this. So uh, I'm rolling with Chandler, man, even at minus 410. I do love Tony. Fuck, it's so hard not to put Tony money on Tony at plus 300, get a little money back, but I'm going to roll with Chandler. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I like Ferguson, and I, I, uh, I'd like to I'd like to see him get a win. Um, but like you said, I like them both. Uh, and as, if it's a good competitive fight, heck yes. Uh, I just don't, I just don't want to see Ferguson just get battered and be a punching bag again because that that hurts me. <laughs> that hurts yeah, me inside. It, it, it gets hard to watch because Ferguson was such a force, man. And I think the yeah. one thing just. I think he lost a lot of motiva- motivation when he never got to face Habib, and I think that really uh, hurt him a lot, especially because mm-hmm. I think he was so mentally and physically hard for that fight, and it never came to fruition. So I think Tony's kind of – obviously, we know Tony's probably on his way out. He's 37 years old. I mean, like I said, a couple fights left, and he doesn't owe us, us fans anything. We fucking love you, Tony, buddy. We, we absolutely love everything you've ever done for the sport. So I'm going to roll Chandler. You're rolling with Ferguson. I like the split pick on that one. Uh, this is a cool matchup, man. I really, really like this. Thug Rose coming in at a minus 275 favorite, taking on, of course, Carla Espraza. Uh, Espraza, quietly, and not a lot of people are talking about this, is on a six-fight win streak. So, I mean, she has beaten Thug Rose before, much earlier in her career, I must add. Much earlier in her career. Actually, the second fight ever in the UFC for Thug Rose. But Carla Espraza does have that one, one little blimp on thug rose's radar so you know what man 
this is going to sound crazy to me because I'm the biggest Thug Rose fan. I would not be shocked if Carlos Praza wins this fight. Yeah, I think I, I'm i going to lean to Spraza. I, I think she's going to grind it out. It's going to be, you know, she's not very exciting, but uh, she grinds, she works, she can get people down, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I mean, like you said, she's on a six-fight winning streak. Uh, she has the same game plan every time, and people can't stop it. Uh, I think she's going to win uh, and grind it out. Don't get me wrong. I still love my thug. I still love the thug. Don't get me wrong at all. Um, and honestly, if you're betting at minus 275, there's a really large chance that she does pull off this fight. I mean, she she has looked very well with her striking, her precision, her accuracy has just is so good now. And I think that has a lot to do with her working with her husband and Pat Ferry because Pat, when he was in the heavyweight division, he was such a good kickboxer, but he was just so short in that division at that time that he got ate up. Like, if he was in the heavyweight division now, I think Pat Berry might be decent. You know, like, most heavyweights now are 6'1", 6'2". Uh, granted, there's some fucking freaks of nature in that division as well. But, you know, I think he would have been a little bit stronger now instead of facing the brutes that are fucking Tim Sylvia and all those guys, man. And our prime Andre Arlovsky, who keeps winning fights, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Bananas. It's insane. Did you, Andrew, did you, see, uh, did you see the post Strickland made about – Thug Rose and Pat. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Oh, that's it's so good. Apparently, yeah, everybody knows what's going on with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard in the world of things, and Sean Strickland being the weirdest fucking guy in the world just had to put those his two cents in on those two, which is hilarious. If you don't know, Pat Berry is significantly older uh, than Thug Rose, and everybody gets weirded out by their relationship. But you know what, man? Fucking love is love, and they're two grown-ass <laughs> They're two grown-ass adults who made their own decisions. So, I mean, it is what it is. And and obviously, the parents agreed with it because they got married. So, it is what it is. It's fucking weird, but it is what it is. Uh, and honestly, Pat, I can't say anything bad. I've met Pat Berry before, and he was a pretty decent guy. So, um, yeah. Anyways, also kicking off on UFC 274, we know this matchup is going to be fireworks. I'm fucking excited as a fan, and you should be too. Uh, Charles Oliveira taking on Justin Gaethje, this one for the lightweight strap. And you know what? Justin Gaethje is going to get it fucking done. He is finally not going to be an interim champion. He is going to be a lightweight champion of the world. Charles Oliveira is not good against strikers. Michael Chandler was seven seconds away, seven seconds away from being the UFC champ. And honestly, Justin Gaethje's power, as we saw against Chandler in that slugfest, Gaethje's way stronger. Give me Gaethje a plus 155. I'm taking the money. I'm taking him to upset the favorite who's been on a fucking murderer's row of wins. Uh, throw it out the window. Justin Gaethje doesn't care about your stats. He is coming at you. His wrestling is fucking elite as well. People sleep on that, and his hands are so precise. So I'm rolling with Gaethje in this. Cole, who do you got? Uh, I agree, Gaethje. I think uh, – I don't think Oliver is going to take him down. I think uh, he's never been taken down except for by Khabib. And I don't think Oliveira has the strength of Khabib. Um, no. So I, I think it's going to be – I honestly think it's going to be a beatdown. I think Gaethje's going to walk him down and kick the shit out of him. And yep. and if and if Oliveira surprises me again, that like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly okay with that too because mad respect to Oliveira and how much work he's been putting in. 
and he's been putting in work on the feet. You know, he was his his guard is always up, straight punches. That's how that's how he beat Chandler. You know, uh, Chandler's throwing hooks, Oliver's throwing straight punches, and um, so you know, if, if he if he pulls it off, that's awesome. Definitely earned, but. I can't see it. I can't see him beating Gaethje, and I think Gaethje's just going to beat him up. Yeah, I think it's a bad night for Oliveira. I really do. And, and and a lot of people on social media have said differently. I've had a lot of friends and a lot of uh, MMA fans ch- chime in as well and have said, you know, well, how, how do you think that, you know, a guy who's won nine fights in a row is going uh, to lose? Because losing streaks happen. Fucking people lose. It happens, man. Good on him for winning nine in a row, but – He's never fought Justin Gaethje, and the power that Gaethje presents, ask anybody that fights in the lightweight division. They'll tell you straight up. It's not fun. Habib, Habib Nurmagomedov said, I've been punched before, but never that hard. So Mm -hmm. that tells you the respect and the hands that Justin Gaethje has. And we all know Justin Gaethje, there's only one pace, and that is forward the whole time. And that is going to give Oliveira a ton of fits, man, because he is a guy who also likes to dictate the pace. So I mean, yeah, this is this is a great fight card, 274. Make sure you're tuned in Saturday. We're going to have some uh, some stuff going on with it during the show. Um, and also, I wanted to get into this because this is going to be a lot of fun for you guys. We talked about it earlier. We made the advertising. And uh, we're going to do some giveaways, baby. So here's how this one's going to work for the Thug Rose t-shirt. We're giving away, yes, a Thug Rose t-shirt. I'll put the picture up on the web, on the website. You can check it out on our Facebook, on Twitter. It's already there. Uh, it's an awesome shirt. And all you have to do is tell me who is going to win the two fights that we have. Of course, we just talked about Doug Rose and Carlos Spraza or Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Tell me who you think is going to win. If you correctly guess two for two, your name will go in a draw. I will put you in there and we'll do a little draw on here to give away that shirt, uh, which is awesome. And then not only that, Cole, my friend, take it away. Yeah, I'm going to throw in a shirt as well. We just uh, designed, um, or my wife just designed a new shirt for us. Uh, uh, it's kind of uh, a limited edition shirt that that we just put out for a, a real limited time. And we're going to throw one of those in as well. Uh, so win, and you'll get it. <laughs> two t-shirts. You heard that right. We're giving away two, because two is better than one, right? So you're going to get double, double the trouble t-shirt of it. So uh, again, if you think you know your UFC better than us, and we're kind of split on two fights, not really on one, but the other one we're kind of split on. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you think Thug Rose and Charles Oliveira pull it off as the favorites and you end up pulling that off, we will put your name in the draw. You will get the announcement in two weeks' time. Cole and I will do it live here, of course. We'll recap this event. We'll recap all of the International Fight Week because I think it's still coming in. I just got a Twitter notification that Cody Garbrandt's now in a fight. Uh, so that's exciting. He's fighting a nobody. And if he loses this, he's probably toast. Uh, speaking of toast thank you so much for tuning in everybody uh we hope you guys have a great night we're gonna take off and uh we got some figuring out to do i'm going to post both of the t-shirts that you guys could win on our facebook page of course as always like share comment follow uh you guys have grown us so much in the last little while it's insane i started this whole adventure like i said two years ago i had 100 people on twitter i'm now at a thousand and i had 150 people on Facebook and we're at now at 550. So thank you so much everybody for your support and the constant grind. We're here to grind for you guys. And uh, oh, I almost forgot this tidbit of information next week, or I guess in two weeks time when we do this podcast, I'll have a major announcement for you guys when it comes to Palace Athena Women's Fighting Championship. Boom! 
there's a little spoiler for you. Uh, for myself and Cole, you guys have a fantastic evening. And thanks again for tuning in to the Boomtown Pod, your home for all things MMA.